Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Growing up, can you think of any accommodations you had to make because Dad couldn't see? <laughs> Do you remember leading Dad down hikes? Yes. Yep. That was a short excerpt from an interview we had with our two children, Allison and Brian, about what it was like to have a blind dad. As you can see, they were somewhat tongue-tied. Most episodes of Eyes on Success center on the experiences of a blind person, whether dealing with technology, employment, traveling, or whatever. This week, we'll discuss raising and living with a blind person from everybody else's perspective, including interviews with Pete's mother, sister, wife, that's me, in-laws, and our children, who eventually actually participated in the discussion. And we'd like to dedicate this show to both of our mothers who are no longer with us. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip is, never say you can't, always say you'll try. And of course, in our family, we all remember where that comment came from, right? Right. <laughs> it was Brian's kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Malley who told the kids that phrase in kindergarten to get them through. And uh, when they struggled with things or they were frustrated, she would always tell them that, you know, just keep trying and work it out. And, you know, this has been a philosophy that the two of us have tried to live by ever since Brian was in kindergarten, which was almost 20 years ago. Hopefully we were trying to do that even beforehand, before Mrs. Malley gave us the quote. But it's important for a blind person to have that kind of attitude instead of saying, oh, I can't do it because I can't see. And since this show is really talking about the family's perspective of living with a blind person, you know, it's just as important for the rest of the family to have the same attitude. It's like, so you can't see. Let's figure out another way that you can do this yourself. And many of the interviews you hear on Viewpoints with other visually impaired folks around the world, they'll often, at the end of the interviews, express very similar thoughts, that the reason they were successful is because they didn't take no for an answer, and they figured out ways of doing things that may have initially seemed pretty difficult to do. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by... APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by talking about general good practices for anybody sharing a home with a blind person. It's always a good idea to keep the floor clear and everything else organized. So when Pete and I met, we were each living on our own separately. We had been through the roommate thing in college and graduate school, but we had jobs, we had our own apartments. And, you know, one of my um, 
tendencies was when I took my shoes off, that's where they stayed, wherever that was on the floor. And then Pete started spending time in my apartment. And unfortunately, every once in a while, he wanted to walk where I had left my shoes. And so by stages, I figured out not to do that. And so the first thing I did was I'd take off my shoes and I'd put them against the wall. So at least he wouldn't trip over them. And then they'd go somewhere in the closet. Now they're like every shoe is where it belongs because I've been living with Pete so long that everything's organized. So, so having a blind person around can be a good impediment to keep things organized around the house. And in fact, we ran into some of this, particularly when our kids were younger. As you can imagine, children have a tendency to leave things all around the floor and their toys just scattered around. Well, that wasn't a good thing in our house because either the toy was going to break or the uh, daddy was going to break. So we had a little trick called Daddy's Bag. Both we left our toys out and you happened to trip on them. They go in a big paper bag in your closet on the top shelf. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how effective was that? I don't know. That's... How effective was it? Well, the floors were certainly clear. Did it stop you from playing with your toys? <laughs> it's okay. You've already admitted Until this, I found right? out where the bag was. Yeah. Then I just had to make sure to put them back in the bag when I was done. <laughs> <laughs> so the funny thing is... I didn't learn about that until years later when our kids were a little bit older and were willing to admit that they had actually found my bag during the day, taken their toys out, and then put them back again. I mean, now our kids are in their 20s, so we can all laugh about this. But it worked, and their toys never broke, and I never broke. Uh, another situation we ran into was when my parents first met Pete, and they didn't have a lot of experience with blind people. So they also had to learn not to leave things in places where the thing or Pete could get hurt. Well, one day, not too long ago, he almost fell down the steps in our house, and that would have been a disaster. <laughs> so, we really would have felt if guilty was about... If there or anywhere. Well, but we would have felt guilty about not having a gate up. I mean, here we thought this man could do anything. <laughs> when he almost fell down the stairs, that scared me. But we do appreciate the fact that you no longer put things at the top or bottom of the stairs like we, you used to. And they're pretty conscious about things like that now. Although it is difficult if you're not living with a blind person from day to day, you know, sometimes you forget about the things that need to be done. I know when they came to visit once, Phoebe, Nancy's mom, was leaving cabinet doors open, which is a real disaster for me, you know, walking into them. And as she pointed out when I mentioned it to her, she has a problem with that too because she has trouble seeing out of one side. And so, you know, everybody needs to be a little bit careful for everybody else. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is living with a blind person. For this show, we interviewed several people who've lived with Pete in various capacities and gotten their perspective and recollections. Most of them aren't used to being recorded, so we had to warm them up to the idea. We started with Pete's mother, sister, and niece sitting around the kitchen table. Do you have it on? Yeah. Yes. Already? Yes, you're being Nancy. recorded. Well, slice. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to delete most of this, especially the knocking around in the silverware. But, you know, once you guys start telling stories, it gets to be so much fun. 
So that was kind of interesting, uh, trying to warm everybody up to these interviews. As I recall, it took several sessions with everybody. (laughs) But we did a little bit better later on as people warmed up and and got the idea of what we were looking for uh, in the show. So you'll hear more from my mom, my sister, and uh, you won't hear my dad, unfortunately. He passed away a number of years ago. So when Pete was an infant, he was actually born in Texas, where it's a lot sunnier than in Rochester, New York. And every time they took him out in the sun, he would scream his little head off. In fact, they bought him one of these enormous sombreros to keep the sun off his face. And that's a classic symptom of glaucoma. But the doctors in Texas in 1952 didn't know that babies could get glaucoma. And so Pete didn't get diagnosed until he was a couple of years old. How did you feel when you first got the diagnosis that he had a degenerative eye disease? Well, I think my husband and I was just frozen in space because it seemed so impossible. He was doing so well, although he was legally blind, but he really got around. He really did everything himself until he stopped teasing his sister. That shows I was partially normal, I guess, if I tease my sister. (laughs) Yeah. They managed to raise you to be quite independent. In the middle of this next clip, you'll hear a strange moaning. It's just the dog trying to get on tape, too. Well, I know growing up, Mom always told the story about how she didn't spoil you, and you were treated like every other child. You know different just because you had a disability. And was Uh, I? (laughs) What? Like every other child? Yeah, you treated like every other child. <laughs> I think you were. Oh, okay. It was funny. The first that was <laughs> kindergarten, the teacher says to me, you know, Peter needs some help. He he looks very close at his paper and his work. I said, well, we know that. I said, I, he goes to the doctor, and he's legally blind, I said. So then... Uh, he was going into first grade. It was to a Catholic school right across the street from the house. And I spoke to the nun that if she could put Peter in the front row so he could see the blackboard. So she said to me, Mrs. Torpy, are you worried about your son, yourself, or people? I said, his first priority. So well, she says, you know, if I put him up front like that, kids are going to be making a lot of fun of He won't have a chance They'll tease him, they'll taunt him, and he can't prove it, he'll cry. And all that he has built in him now, it's going to be all gone. So I says, well, what do I do? She says, well, you know, there's a school for the blind, which is very good for the children. So I thought, that's what we did. We took him to there up until sixth grade. Were you reluctant to send me to the school for the blind? Yeah, I didn't want to send you. And what made you finally decide to send me there? Well, when the, the sister spoke to me, she was right. That's what I wanted, something like that. It wasn't that easy. You laugh about it. I'm sure it wasn't easy as a parent. That had to be very difficult. Very. But I never interfered with him. He used to play ball so good, any kind of game with ball. I, I would just stay there to watch. I never interfered unless there was fighting. I made, I made, I made him take care of himself. But I was there watching him. Well, I always tell everybody that the way I am the way I am and I accomplished the things I did because of my parents who raised me to be independent and responsible for my own actions and uh, gave me it's the support true. I needed when I needed it. 
Well, but, you know, my husband was also strict, but there was a lot of love. There was no pity, no... I don't know, he just turned out great. I don't know if it was because of me or my husband, but he wouldn't get away with anything. <laughs> well, I had good parents. I still have good parents. That's Pete's mother, Anne, and sister, Barb. When Pete was a kid, although he was legally blind and had to go to a school for the blind because his vision was quite low, he actually still had enough functional vision to get around without a cane, although that was questionably intelligent. He lost most of the rest of his vision after one more operation right after graduating from college, so he never really lived with his mother or sister after becoming functionally blind. And... They took him to graduate school and left him there and, and let him, you know, succeed on his own there. And then they had to drop him off in Rochester for his first job. He went up to Rochester. He got a beautiful apartment, which I would have bought if he were up there. He just was so independent. I mean, I was just amazed. Going to the stores, crossing streets. It just, I kept thinking of him when the weather was bad. And how clean was my bathroom when you came to visit? Oh, it was clean, except the corners. You made run around. <laughs> you didn't go with the corners. Mom, just... Mom was never happy with how clean my bathroom well, was. because you had to leave her some work to do <laughs> when she right. came to visit. Yeah, he finally figured out there was no point in cleaning it before she got there because she was just going to clean it anyway. Right. So he'd leave it dirty and let you clean it. <laughs> it was round. I says, what happened to the corners? You were supposed to clean the corners. Well, she still gets nervous when we travel to other places. I, I like when you uh, go away on vacation and you come back home and you describe and you're describing, you think you've seen it. Or, now she's telling you about the mountains, the water, the sky, the trees. And she just, she took you along and she told you all those things. Now she gives me a good enough visual picture that I can describe it to other people as if right. I were as if I saw it myself. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. You were there. When we go hiking, you know exactly oh, where you are. You may not know where the edge is, and I kind of have to tell you where the edge is if it's getting close. And we certainly don't want to tell my mom where the edge is. Right, right. right. You I get nervous when I go on hikes? Uh, I get nervous when you both go on vacations. Because <laughs> all I do is uh, start thinking that I bet the Lord knows where they are. It's true. Yeah. And every once in a while, the cell phone will ring. It'll be you calling. And, oh, hi, Mom. Where are you now? Oh, we're on top of a volcano outside yeah. Albuquerque. <laughs> you didn't like that. <laughs> Would you go on those hikes? Never. <laughs> Would you go with your eyes closed? Yeah, right. Then you wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> right, no. So she worries, but she's still pretty happy with the way things have turned out. We were so proud of him when we, we we were going back home talking about him, to, and we were so happy for him that he just got along great. I don't know how you did it, especially when you went to that college, the, that big building, and you had one little bedroom downstairs, and you lived there all by yourself. Brave. Oh, oh. not me. Brave like my mother, right? <laughs> Aren't you brave? And then I'm glad that towards the end, he got the, the, the best wife. And I did get the best wife. Thank you. We met when we were around 30, when we had both had more or less established careers or just started our careers as physicists and had our education behind it. So there were a lot of problems out of the way. 
And I learned in a hurry that Pete could do pretty much anything besides drive and use power tools. And she always encouraged me to do everything I could. And it really wasn't a big deal in our relationship, the blindness. I mean, we always found ways around doing things. And, uh, you know, we started out being good buddies and became better friends and eventually got married. And, you know, I've learned over the years that although being blind doesn't make anything easier, it also doesn't make everything harder. And so we kind of treat it as a nuisance and make accommodations where necessary. So, like, if I need to go to the grocery store to do the shopping, Pete doesn't stay home and do the house fix-it projects or vice versa, but he's a nice guy, and he always offers to help or come along with me, and he's the best cleaner-upper after I get sawdust all over the place. Well, and we also work together in a lot of our fix-it projects. I mean, I do what I can to help. Um, Sometimes Nancy needs some more muscles to do some things, and I'll do that. Hey, I'm buff. You are buff. But, we, you know, we work together and share some of those jobs. As we tease people, we do a lot of computer support for people. And as we tease people, you know, Nancy's the hardware support and I'm the software support. I mean, in fact, many blind folks will do hardware also, but that just happens to be what we're good at and we enjoy. And that's how we split that particular type of job as we split, you know, other types of jobs around the house. So, of course, not everybody was as comfortable with the concept of me marrying a blind person Initially, um, here are my parents, my dad, Merrill, and my mom, Phoebe. What did you think when I first told you I was going to marry a blind man? Probably that you were crazy. We thought you were very brave and very stupid. And then you ought to live <laughs> with him for a year first to see what it was Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Instead of just getting married right away. In those days, that was pretty shocking for somebody of our age to think that way, actually, but it was being done, and we thought that would be a good idea for you to decide whether or not, I mean, the man was obviously somebody you wanted to marry, but we thought that you were putting yourself in a situation where you were going to live an entire life with him, and it was going to be difficult, and you should learn first what it was like before you actually made the final step. Did you ever regret that you didn't do that? No. That's good. <laughs> I have to I'm say... I'm still married to him. Look at that. Having gotten to know Pete over the years, I can understand you wanting to marry him. We like him very much, and we have nothing but approval of you as a son-in-law and assuming that we see your relationship as it really is, that you have a really very good husband. I do. And I have a good wife. Mm -hmm. I probably would have given our daughter the same advice. She would have probably ignored it. Probably. Probably. And I think in the long run, we're all glad that I ignored that advice. Is there anything you'd like to add? Any thoughts on the subject? Just that we're very happy to have Pete blind and all, as our son-in-law. And very proud of both of you. So that was our parents. Then we went off to Colorado again to visit our son Brian, and this time our daughter Allison met us out there. And we sat them down to record a conversation with them. It got off to a slow start. Growing up, can you think of any accommodations you had to make because Dad couldn't see? Do you remember leading Dad down hikes? Yes. Yep. 
but things improved. Do you want us to do the interview? (laughs) Do you have any particular stories that you think are interesting that that related to me being blind? That's okay, too. You have something spontaneous. I don't know. I mean, it probably taught us a better sense of independence and ability to be able to do whatever you want. You know, when people would ask us, could you do anything? And we would, you know, could Sue do do such and such? And the answer was always yes. Well, I think in some sense, you guys developed a little bit more responsibility. You know, if we were out somewhere, especially if it was just you guys and dad, you know, most times if it's a a parent and a five-year-old, the parent is guiding the five-year-old. But there were times certainly, uh, I mean, I was there watching, but there were times when either one of you was guiding a parent instead of the other way around. Yeah, well, I think you guys were very responsible taking care of me and very, you know, you made sure dad wasn't going to break in dangerous situations. And even if you wanted to be doing something else like playing with your friends or just not bothering, you'd always come over and help me out or show me how to do something or just make sure I was safe. And I thought you kids did a very good job of that. You haven't broken me yet. So what couldn't I do? See? Well, I think that this is different for us than for anyone else because that's the only way we've ever known you. It's only that's how we grew up. You ever wish it was different, though, or it'd be less frustrating if Dad could see? No. No? Well, there was one thing Brian wasn't too crazy about. Sometimes it's awkward when I have to wait for you in the bathroom. (laughs) 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 But when you're waiting for someone to finish peeing and you're just standing behind the line of urinals and have to watch to see when they leave... (laughs) It's a little awkward. Was that your biggest frustration with me being blind? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't like being my bathroom buddy when you were younger, did you? I mean, it's just awkward. (laughs) I feel like everyone else thinks I'm strange. Fortunately, those things are a little bit easier now as the kids have matured a little bit more. But we've had some interesting times. Laughter aside, we actually parlayed this into a really quality conversation, and the kids even asked us some questions that they'd never asked before. Were you worried that we would be born blind? A little bit. and We, we had you checked out because glaucoma could be a congenital disease. We had you both checked out by the eye doctor when you were within weeks of being born just to make sure everything was okay. And we always took you regularly to the eye doctor every year until you were in your 20s. And it looked like everything was okay. On the other hand, we already knew that although being blind doesn't make anything easier, you can always, you know, get through life and find ways of doing things if you can't see, but it's a lot easier if you can. So we wanted to make sure that we gave you guys the best chance we could. Well, I wouldn't change anything. I am perfectly happy. Things worked out okay for me and the family, and uh, I'm happy. So, Pete, we've been talking to everybody else around and about you. Do you have any comments as a blind parent, blind husband? Well, all I can say is, you know, that we tried in general to to make it as natural as we could for the kids and for me to participate as much, you know, as being a a sighted dad would in their lives. So when it came to things like, you know, a young boy would want to play – um, baseball and ball games and stuff, we figured out ways of doing that. And, uh, you know, we'd have Brian running down just yelling, Dad, 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 and I'd throw a pass to him so I'd know where he was, and we'd run intricate patterns and things. We had our basketballs with little buzzers and bells in them, 
Um, you know, I help them with their homework, just like any other dad or mom would, and they just had to be a little bit more careful about telling me exactly what was on the page or what they were writing down, so they had to give a little bit more feedback. But, you know, that was probably a good skill for them to learn anyway. Uh, when we used to play chase around the house, I thought it was great. And they were really young. They used to scream, and they were easy to follow. And as they got older, they learned that if they quieted down, they could hide. So then the game became... I had to make them laugh, and if they giggled, I could find them. So, you know, things change, and we found our ways of doing just about everything. But as you heard the kids say, you know, for them, that was normal. That was all they knew, and, and you know, no complaints. I've always been blind. This is the way I am, and it was natural to me, so it really wasn't all that special. But I guess in reality, I was a little bit nervous about all of those interactions. When we first had kids, I remember thinking— Oh, no. You know, if they're crawling on the floor, I won't hear them. Maybe we need to put bells on them so I know where they are. Boy, was that not necessary. That's for sure. But I do remember the first time I put Allison on the floor somewhere and you ran into her somewhere else and started yelling at me, why'd you put her over here? I'm like, I didn't. She moved. But most of those interactions just worked out, as things do when you want to accomplish something, and you live your life, and you find ways of doing what needs to be done. So it was all pretty wonderful. As you heard, even my parents got over their initial shock that I was marrying a blind person and came to like you very much. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about us and our show and how to contact us. Well, you can always send an email to us using the email hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. And if you're looking for one spot to go for information about the show and getting links to the entire searchable archive of over 600 unique episodes, you can go to our website at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And remember, you can catch Eyes on Success either as a podcast or download it from our website, or you can even listen on your Alexa or Google devices. So almost any way you want to listen to this podcast, you should be able to. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. And we have a couple of Google groups that you can join. Pete, how would they do that? So one of them is our weekly announcements list. And if you join that, you'll get a weekly announcement of each upcoming episode, along with links to the audio and show notes and a summary of that show. Send an email to... Eyes on Success, plus subscribe at googlegroups.com. And the other Google group? The other Google group is a discussion group. So if you want to connect with other listeners to talk about what you've heard on the show or share your thoughts with them, you can join that discussion group by sending an email to eos underscore discuss plus subscribe at googlegroups.com. And of course, as usual... All of that information will be in the show notes associated with this episode on our website. As the contact and resource information we give in each show is available in the show notes associated with each episode. So in case you don't catch any of that in the audio, you can always find it on our website. 
That's it for show number 2238. You may have heard about some of the exciting images being sent back from the James Webb Telescope. Well, those images have had alt text written for them, and we will talk to some of the people responsible for that. We'll speak with Timothy Rue, Principal Informal Education Specialist at the Space Telescope Science Institute, and Claire Blom, Principal Science Writer and author of some of those descriptions, also from the Space Telescope Science Institute. Thank you for joining us this week, and we hope we'll catch you again next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.